0: His paintings combine a realistic observation of the human state, both physical and emotional, with a dramatic use of lighting. Michelangelo Marisi da Caravaggio employed close physical observation with a dramatic use of tenebrism. Along with a murderous muse, the artist known as Caravaggio created gorgeous paintings in his lifetime. And as this episode's, Rotten Person. Hi, hello, and howdy, everyone. This is Rotten to the Core. I am your host, Josh Waters. As I mentioned earlier, we are covering the artist Caravaggio today. Before I started researching, I only knew of him from his Medusa painting. But this dark and twisted artist has captivated me with his self-created use of tenebrism and honest, realistic portrayal of his subjects. No phony images here. He painted saints as sinners, and his subject for the Holy Mother was a prostitute. He was having an affair with her, but we'll get onto that later. Caravaggio was the OG of unapologetic. Now, just quickly, tenebrism is a form of painting basically invented by the artist, describing a particular type of painting in which significant details such as faces and hands are illuminated by highlights contrasted with a dark setting. For myself, though, it's the eyes in his paintings that draw me in. They hold such emptiness inside them, keeping me fixated on not only the painting, but also on what the artist intended to portray through those eyes. It makes me think that the person who painted them was perhaps numb to things that a regular person would be shocked by, that they grew up used to darkness and death, and to them it was nothing really to witness, possibly even finding a maybe-sordid beauty in it. Born in 1571 with the birth name Michelangelo Marisi, to a stonemason father, Fermo, and a land surveyor's daughter, Lucia. They lived in the countryside of Caravaggio in Lombardy, 25 miles east of Milan, where his father worked. Caravaggio the town was a quiet, prosperous town ringed with orchards and melon gardens, well known as the site of a miraculous apparition of the Virgin in 1432. Now the artist had a quiet first few years as he enjoyed exploring the agricultural area around his home, That would be until 1576, when he was five years old. Milan would suffer from an outbreak of the bubonic plague. Now Michelangelo and his family would try to evade it by going to the countryside in Caravaggio, but by 1592, at the age of 21, he had lost his father, mother, youngest brother, paternal grandparents, and an uncle all to the plague. Now, for those of you that don't know, the bubonic plague is a highly infectious disease spread by fleas that bite their host, usually rats and humans, and introduce the bacteria that cause the illness into their host's bodies. Common symptoms were the appearance of painful buboes, hence the name bubonic plague. Those would appear in the groin, neck, and armpits, which later secreted pus and blood. (laughs) These were followed by acute fever and vomiting blood. Oh, goody. Victims usually die between two and seven days after being infected. Dying with blackened appendages, the death rate was 60 to 90%. The 1500s was the second wave of the plague, the first being known more commonly as the Black Death in the 1300s. The second was a variant of the first, but just as deadly, if not more. I did find a little fun fact that the plague left people with a mess of psychological problems, including PTSD, depression, suicide, and more. The list honestly goes on and on. Along with a greater preoccupation with death and the afterlife, it was often depicted in artwork during the time, especially in Caravaggio's paintings. His birthday was on the feast day of Archangel Michelangelo, September 29th, Teen Libra, and witnesses claim to have seen his parents marry on January 14th, 1571, the same year he was born. Now, St. Michael, the archangel, is the warrior angel who leads the armies of God against Satan. It is St. Michael who has a sword as his weapon against evil, and he who holds the scales in which the souls of deceased humanity are weighed between salvation and damnation. Also, being born a Libra, which is the scale of justice for the Zodiac, the artist would forever struggle with finding balance in everything but his paintings. Now, I am a September 28th Libra, and I can tell you that we usually tend to sway towards one direction of the scales, light versus dark. A balanced Libra can easily maneuver between the two, but unbalanced, we can become overcome by one side. We can tend to also see the world for what it really is, unsugarcoated, which the artist definitely did in his paintings. Also on the day Caravaggio was born, there was also a battle taking place nearby in the town of Lepanto. Michelangelo Merci's birth was during a time of apocalypse, and jubilation. Now, it is highly likely that Caravaggio received some form of classical art education inspired by Renaissance painters from Savaldo to da Vinci. He would be armed not only with an artistic eye, but with his trusty sword as well. Milan and Rome in the 16th century weren't exactly the safest places. The cities were dangerous and filled with violence, but For a young, hot-headed, and trauma-filled artist, it was a provoking and tempting muse. Caravaggio's real teachers, though, were the streets. There is a fable, I couldn't really find if it was true or not, but it goes that someone was showing Caravaggio a statue by the great Greek Phidias, and he was asked what he could learn from it. Nothing, he replied, ignoring the statue and turning to the people in the streets. Nature, he said, is my only teacher. The painter also didn't like to draw his artwork beforehand, as most did. He would start with paint and a blank canvas and create his masterpieces completely freehand. Ain't nobody got time for that, especially Caravaggio. Upon arriving in Rome, Caravaggio found brief employment producing still lives in the studio of Giuseppe Cesare. I apologize if I say these names wrong. I apologize and mean no offense. At the time, still life was considered hack work, but it was then that he developed one of his most distinctive trademarks, the vivid way he depicted fruits and flowers, with the same irregularities and imperfections found in nature. That's one of the things I respect about the artist is that A lot of the times, especially then, when someone would be commissioned to paint something, you know, if a rich man wants his portrait painted, well, you're of course going to make him look better than he really does. Well, the artist Caravaggio would paint things in reality. He would paint them by how he viewed them, flaws and all. And I respect that. Now, Caravaggio basically lived in squalor when he first got to Rome. He did have an uncle who was a priest living in the city, but it seems that he deliberately avoided contact with his family. who would spend a whole day painting faces on canvases and making pennies for them. Rome in the early 1590s was a beacon to the poor and displaced, with a forever changing population that would rise or fall according to the qualities of the current pope. The pope rules the entire state with supreme authority. Everything depended on his single desires. You could say it's a royal government and is free from other obligations and ties of laws and regulations. There were so many police records for the young Caravaggio in Rome. He was constantly getting in trouble with the police, getting into fights, insulting people, owing people money, stabbing people, getting stabbed himself. It goes on and on. He had an unusually violent personality. He did like to always wear his sword on him, which was illegal at the time in Rome to carry in the streets. He also liked to pull it out on people as well. He was kind of like a flasher, but when he'd open his coat, it'd be a sword, I guess. Eh. Depending on how you take that, good or bad, in May of 1606, two gangs of men, one led by a man named Ranunzio Tomasoni, a man who enjoyed fighting, and the other was led by Caravaggio himself. The two men have gotten into brawls before, most recently over a tennis match, as one does. This fight ended differently, though, with Caravaggio slashing Renunzio to death and becoming the only great artist to commit murder and a grim claim to fame. Caravaggio then fled Rome before formal charges for the murder were leveled against him. He was then sentenced to indefinite exile from the city, condemned as a murderer, and subject to a capital sentence which allowed anyone in the papal states to receive a monetary reward for killing him. So yeah, he got the heck out of there. The murder would end up bringing him even more notoriety, though, with people fiendishly searching for his earlier works that he sold on the streets. All those heads without bodies that he started with were now quickly being bought by collectors hoping to own a piece from the murderer painter. Caravaggio would spend the next few years in Naples, Malta, and Sicily, followed by Naples again. He threw himself into his art, which became increasingly dramatic and moralistic, as if he were obsessed with his own salvation. While in Malta, the artist did run into more trouble. I'm shocked. He assaulted a high-ranking knight in the Maltese order of St. John and was in prison, and escaped from that prison. (laughs) This guy, I swear, (laughs) he just had some, I'm gonna say, cojones. Unapologetic, as I mentioned, the definition of unapologetic. (laughs) The artist then moved to Syracuse, to Messina, to Palermo, and then back to Naples in 1609. So yeah, he was definitely on the run. Having escaped imprisonment in Malta and worked in Sicily, he arrived in Naples hoping to gain a pardon for the killing he committed in Rome in 1606. While there, he was then attacked and his face slashed. And in Rome, rumors spread that he'd been killed. This is also the time when he was commissioned to paint his last masterpieces, the denial of St. Peter and the martyrdom of St. Ursula. The denial of St. Peter, which is today owned by the Met, depicts a woman accusing the saint of being a follower of Christ while a soldier looks on. Referencing St. Peter's three denials, Caravaggio painted the soldier pointing one finger, while the woman is shown pointing an additional two fingers in his direction. In contrast, the martyrdom of St. Ursula, the work references a medieval legend from the late 3rd century about a saint who stopped in Cologne with her 11,000 followers, just as they were on a pilgrimage to Rome, only to find that the city was under siege by the Huns. The chief of the barbarians fell in love with the pious Ursula. When she rejected his advances, he killed her with an arrow and had her followers murdered for refusing to copulate with his army. In these two late works, however, he takes Tenebrism to the extreme, engulfing the greater part of his figures in the darkness. His shift in style reflects his burden of guilt and doom and the slash across his face from when he was attacked may have impacted his vision and resulted in the change. Caravaggio then attempted to return to Rome after learning that one of his prominent patrons had secured a papal pardon for him. When he arrived in Palo, however, he was mistakenly arrested and put in prison for two days. Soon after his release on July eighteenth, 1610, Caravaggio died of a fever at the age of 39. Now scholars have many theories on the artist's death. Was he poisoned, murdered, included that he was killed on a deserted Tuscan beach or collapsed there due to a strange illness, perhaps syphilis? The list goes on. And with all the enemies he made throughout his life, it wouldn't be a far reach to believe one of them could have taken their revenge. It wouldn't be until more recently, though, around 2010, that possible answers would be found. A group of researchers found the bones of a man with high levels of lead in them. Through carbon dating, they were able to figure out that the remains were from a tall man who died around 1610 and between the ages of 38 and 40. Also, through DNA testing from Caravaggio, the town, with the same surname of Marisi, they found 50-60% to compatibility with being a relation. Now, this is still a far leap with remains so dated, but they are close to matching the artist. Mix that with the toxic levels of lead in the remains, and it paints a picture eh, eh, of being those of the artist. Lead poisoning was very common in artists, especially at that time. Art historians already suspect that Goya and Van Gogh may have suffered from the ill effects of the lead in their paint, which can cause depression, pain, and personality changes. If we stick with the narrative that these are his remains, then researchers believe the artist Caravaggio met his demise at such a young age thanks to infected wounds, sun poisoning, and lead poisoning. We may never know what happened to him, but during his lifetime here, Caravaggio lived a life chocked full of rotten motives and murder. He didn't carry remorse for his actions other than the bothersome need to flee and hide to avoid punishment for them. Was he naturally out of his mind or was he suffering from the effects of lead poisoning? Whatever the case, Caravaggio created masterpieces that are still revered to this day for his unique style. They are dark, striking, and real depictions of how the artists view the world. And give us a glimpse into the madness that dwelled within the labyrinth of his mind. Well guys, there you have it. The life and crimes of the tortured artist Caravaggio. I don't believe he was the worst guy in the world. But I just had to learn about the murderer artist, and I'm glad I did. I take away from this episode that there are definitely consequences to all of our actions, and karma will always come to collect what's owed. I did appreciate that the artist learned from life, and how he painted reality with real and perfect people as his subjects. Sinners painted as saints, and a prostitute friend as the Holy Mother you've got to respect his gumption. I did want to add one more thing. The sexual orientation of the artist remains shrouded in mystery, with historians still arguing over whether the artist was gay or bisexual. It was, is, well known that Caravaggio had several relationships with young men, even including them in his paintings, painting them with such a love and beauty that you can tell how much he adored and cared for them. The argument for his bisexuality is that he also had relationships with several female prostitutes. Some historians even believing he fathered children with one or more of them. It doesn't really make a difference. I just can't stand when historians use the, "oh, they were friends who lived together narrative, as if it's a scandal or would diminish their contribution to history. If it looks, acts, and sounds like a duck, then stop saying it's a turkey. Just saying. <laughs> Oh, well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Rotten to the Core, the life of Caravaggio, the murder artist. Go check out some of his paintings and see how many you can find where he instilled himself into them. If you'd like to stay up to date on our current episodes of Rotten to the Core or have suggestions for future ones, please follow and like us on Facebook at It's Rotten to the Core, Instagram at It's Rotten to the Core, twitter at rotten in history or just go to it's rotten to the i am your host josh waters and thank you so much for listening today arrivederci